I wanted to talk about Krishna consciousness as a process of knowledge. Uh, and uh, the, the seventh chapter of Bhagavad Gita, uh, Krishna says to Arjuna, Maya Sakta Manaparta Yogam Union Madashraya Samshayam Samagramam Itajasnasi Tatshinu. What he's saying here is now, uh, 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 with your maya with your mind, asakta, deeply fixed on or resting in, in me, yogam union manashraya, practicing yoga, yoga union, engaged in yoga, madashraya, which Prabhupada says, uh, translate in full consciousness of me, under my shelter, or taking shelter of me. Uh, <clears throat> uh, then he says, Asam shayam samagramam yata jnajnasi, jnajnasi tachinu. You can, the verb is, you, you shall know me. How you can know me. Uh, Hear this, Tatrinu, hear how you can know me. And he says, knowing me, uh, asamshaya and samagram, uh, without a doubt and completely. And that's like an outrageous claim. <laughs> you know, you know, without any doubt? How is that possible? And completely, f- fully, he's going to tell you how to do this. Uh, that's the claim. And he uses the word, uh, you should know me, that jnan, you shall have knowledge of me. <coughs> and then he says, jnanam teham sadigyanam midam bhakshami asheshataha yajnatva neha bhunyanyam jnatavyam abhishishate. I shall tell you uh, this, uh, uh, he uses these two words, jnana and vigyana. Jnana along with Vigyana. Uh, uh, these words have different uh, ways to translate them, but the, the Jnana means knowledge, and this V in Sanskrit is a prefix, is generally an all-purpose intensifier. Uh, and many places, Prabhupada translates it as Science, Vigyana, in fact, if you wanted to take the modern word science and translate it into Sanskrit, you would say Vigyana. It means direct, experienced knowledge. Uh, uh, Prabhupada here translates it phenomenal and and numinous or numinal knowledge. Uh, But all these meanings uh, apply. Knowledge which includes the world and goes beyond the world. Uh, uh, you, and you shall know this, and he uses this word, asheshataha, without any remainder, fully. And if you know this, there nothing remains further for you to know. That's far out. That's, that's, that's really far out. And, and 
we always understand a Krishna consciousness as a process of knowledge. Uh, but to many people, you know, our conventional thing is you're a religion. Uh, we do things that are religious thing. We do worship. We read books that are called scripture. You know, uh, uh, they're, they're, we have we have all our categories. These are scripture, and you have faith. And and here's books of knowledge, and and, and, and you have science. You know, they're two different realms, and we keep them apart usually. You know? um, but here, uh, one, uh, uh, that distinction is not there. It's actually a kind of a modern distinction. Uh, but uh, it's, it's not... Well, first of all, you know, do you think that, yeah, okay, you, you do this because you have faith. And, but first of all, you should understand that every process of knowledge starts with faith. If you go to a you know certified university and you go into your first class your freshman year, somebody's standing up there and telling you all kinds of things, and you believe it. You know, you go to a chemistry class and you know covalent bonds and you know all these different sorts of mystical things. I had a you know in my university of course I was a philosophy major in college. Philosophers who looked at knowledge critically called atoms and electrons metaphysical entities. Because not only do you not see them, you cannot possibly see them. <laughs> but you believe it. Yeah, here's, we know this is an atom and it has these protons, electrons, and neutrons, you know. And they tell you all this and you say, okay, I believe it. That's faith. Because every process of knowledge is some teacher, and you know, if you're a child, you have to accept you. Know, but they say it's faith, and they they'll sometimes tell you, you know, this is science. We only verify everything by our, our perception, uh, our experimental knowledge, and uh, it's it's public. Anyone can do it. Oh, can I do it? Can I can I do that experiment? Yeah, but well, you know, first of all. You have to learn the science first and understand it. And, you know, we don't even let anybody close to that equipment until the second year of graduate school. <laughs> you know? So you have to have faith all this time to, to do it. You know, and you have to, to observe the whole body of knowledge so that when you see this little little phosphorescent dot on a, on a screen, oh, that's an electron. That means there's an electron or something like that, you know. So you, you've accepted this whole, this whole process on faith. Uh, and, and we believe it because they do things in the material world that gives us beneficial things like atomic bombs and, and, and you know, whatever. Some, all those things that makes it work. You know? So it sort of depends on what you're after. So here... This is also a process of knowledge. Now, it, 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 because our, we, we are, actually, ultimately, since, since you're going to know everything, both phenomenal and noumenal, you're going to know everything, in, including this world. 
that, that, that is said, but it, 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 it's also uh, done so that you have this vijnana. Vijnana means uh, direct perception, that you can see it. So th- that vijnana, how you can know me, Krishna says, you can know me. And you can know me with this really claim, you know, f- completely and free from all doubt. You know, the, wow, that sounds pretty dogmatic. <laughs> you know, how are you going to do that? How can you know me? And so I always, you know, when I came to Krishna consciousness, I'd read things like that, and I'd, I'd put them in brackets. Okay, I accept that it's true, but I've got no idea of how it could be true. But, I, but then there came a day in Krishna consciousness that I realized I was completely convinced about about Krishna, about, about the, the existence of, of myself as a spiritual being and about, about Krishna. I was completely convinced. And, and that scared me because I thought, how did I, how did that happen? And do I have any right to be so convinced? You know, it's one thing to say, yeah, probably true. You know, you have proof for the existence of God and you can, you know, try to... But I was like, I just didn't have any doubt at all about, you know, I made a little advancement in Krishna consciousness and I didn't, and and I had no doubts. Uh, And and actually, I I actually went to a a disciple named Sharanagati she was older than I was. She's passed away now, uh, and uh, she had a PhD in, in philosophy from from Bryn Mawr and uh, became a devotee. She, her daughter was coming to the temple. She went to the temple and started to check it out to see what her daughter was getting involved in, and started to talk to me. And well, anyway, she became a a devotee. Although she's quite a pious. Christian, actually. I mean, she would go to nun retreats with nuns and all this stuff like that. Not Catholic, but ang- high, very high Anglican kind of a Christian. But anyway, so so uh, then then when she could, she lived in Vrindavan and was really really happy there. Uh, anyway, so I went to her and said, you know, I'm really convinced like this. You know, how, what do you think? Is that possible? You know, do, do, do I have a right to be this convinced? And, and she said, "Well, it's a gift." That's <laughs> okay. I accept that as a gift. But then, I, as I thought about it further, uh, I began to understand how it really works because because my conviction uh, was based on the fact that th- that well, as Prabhupada puts it, that the, the individual soul, the conscious, is part and parcel of Krishna. It belongs to Krishna. There's an overlap. We are, we are Krishna's marginal energy, it's called. We are spirit. Now, the first thing is to understand yourself as a spirit soul. And that's how I spent a lot of my first day, years in Krishna consciousness, by just understanding I'm not the body. You know, to, to distinguish the self from the not-self. And for that, we need direction also. Because there, people, there's a real problem 
that materialistic people have, and that's consciousness. It shouldn't exist. And there are philosophers who deny its existence. It's a kind of illusion. But because, because see, they, tell, they want to tell this story. And the story they want to tell is uh, the world around us is totally knowable by science, material science. Right, and they tell the story. Where did it come from? Because that's you know, where does it? Jamadasiyataha, that from which Brahman, in the Vedas, I mean in the Upanishads, this is Vedanta Sutra. What is Brahman? Tattva Brahma Gignasa. You begin with the what is what is Brahman, and it's that from which everything comes. And so that's one of the big investigation. How did, how, where does everything come? Uh, and uh, so material science tries to deal with this problem, saying that basically everything comes from nothing. Uh, there was, you know, this is the sort of Big Bang theory. There's some uh, almost nothing and some little fluctuation takes place in this almost nothing, whatever, a little mysterious what it, what it was, but then there were very, very simple subatomic entities, right? And those simple subatomic entities began to get, for some reason, more complex. You had very simple things, Completely describable in terms of numbers. Because this is the tool of modern science, to describe reality in terms of numbers. That's what, that's what material science is. In other words, everything is understood quantifiably. Uh, I mean, I don't have anything against quantification, uh, except I'm not very talented at it, but other, <laughs> otherwise, you know, fu- yeah, it's very useful to, to you know. <laughs> so you can you learn you know you can learn a lot of things just by dealing with reality in terms of numbers. But the pride comes in when if you can't describe it in terms of numbers, it doesn't exist. How do you know that? That's Hey, that's faith. But in, anyway, they, so they start with the idea that the, these structures of matter, complete, very, very simple structures of matter, completely describable in terms of numbers, and then over the course of time, for some reason, they get more complex. And therefore, subatomic particles become atoms, atoms come together, become molecules, Molecules become sort of more complex. Uh, now, the direction of time is entropy. Things that are complex tend to break down. And gets, but this one philosophy course, we live in some anti-entropic branch system. <laughs> you know? It's like things are getting more complicated. But they just happen, you know. 
There's a whole idea. The idea is, is, is without having God, without having a creator, without him, you know, come be able to account for reality. So this is the act of faith. It gets more complicated. And then you have carbon atoms. And these atoms, you know, they're forming molecules. And with carbon atoms, you get, you know, more complicated molecules and you get benzene rings, you know. And those things get really more complicated. And then suddenly you have life. You have life. And what happens then, when life, then life gets more complicated. And then you have humans come at the end of this evolutionary uh, thing. And with that you have uh, not just structures of matter, but something else pops into existence. The experience of structures of matter. Now how can you do that if you just have a world that's made up of nothing but structures of matter? you have experience of structures of matter. That becomes the problem. What to do with that experience? That's what we mean by consciousness. You know, that I under... What does it mean to be conscious? That I undergo experiences. You know? This this, this is a very complicated structure of matter. But nobody's at home. You know, it's entirely an object. It's in no way a subject. My body is a very complicated structure of matter, but somebody's at home. I'm not just an object, I'm a subject. I have significance for myself. This computer only has significance for others. Now, of course, we believe that in the future, if we make robots complicated enough, they'll become conscious. I mean, modern mythology is science fiction. Uh, uh, and that's what somehow they, 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 want, they want to say. But the Bhagavad Gita says, no, there's two energies of Krishna. They're, they're both, they're, they're, to, to know everything is to know matter, and to know spirit. And how, what is the spirit? It's consciousness. Consciousness is the symptom of the presence of the Atma. This, this is what consciousness is. Uh, and, and that's how you can locate the self. And even as a kind of, you know, that... that uh, we say in Krishna consciousness, I am not the body. Aham Brahmasmi, I am Brahman, I'm spirit, I'm not matter, that means I'm not the body. And it also means, according to the array of things in the Bhagavad Gita, is I'm not the mind. Because when Krishna outlines in that chapter what there is, these things that are described in yoga, also yoga philosophy, is manas, buddhi, and ahankara. You know, uh, uh, mind, uh, buddhi, uh, which is a faculty for discrimination, which is a little higher, and then ahankara, which means your 
I maker, literally. And in this case, your wrong idea of yourself, which is I am this body, or I am this mind. So the good news of Krishna consciousness is that consciousness itself is the symptom of the presence of the soul, of the self. And uh, when that self becomes, uh, that consciousness becomes clarified, and that's what the process of yoga is, for for the, the clarification and intensification of consciousness. No, people don't know how to do this. We don't live in the age of a sustained concentration of attention on something, which is what you know, yoga teaches you to do, the sustained attention. We live in the age of distraction. The poet T.S. Eliot said, you know, sometime in the 1920s, one of his lines in his poems about the horrible modern world was, distracted from distraction by distraction. And now we've got our devices, you know, and there's nobody that's not multitasking, practically. Uh, so our minds are getting more and more distracted. But the, but the yoga system, the idea is this concentration, clarification, and, and then consciousness uh, becomes uh, expanded. Uh, uh, and you, you begin, begin to, under, to, to experience yourself as not the body. You, you kind of do a, I'm not the body, and then I'm not the mind. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, if I'm the consciousness, my hands are moving, I'm consciousness of my hands. Moving my eyes are seeing, I'm consciousness of my eyes seeing. The, the seeing and the scene, the seer and the scene are different. Uh, and, and then, but then you're also conscious of your mind thinking. So manas is a subtle matter. You know, the, the mind that we have now is not the brain. I mean, it's clearly interlaced with the brain. But it's not that the mind, it's not that the mind produces the brain produces the mind, it's that the mind makes the brain, really. Because according to, to what we learn uh, from uh, Bhagavad Gita and other sources, uh, that when we leave this body, what, what Hamlet calls shuffle off the mortal coil, <laughs> we don't really shuffle off entirely. We only <laughs> shuffle off one mortal coil, the gross body, the subtle body we take with us. The mind that we have now, one reason we have trouble dealing with the mind, is we brought it with us from a previous life. And God knows what's in there. There's all kinds of garbage, you know. And that's why, you know, everybody who has has children or has been around little children, realize that all, you know, a brand new baby within a very short time, you can see there's a distinct personality there. And if you understand that this is coming from a previous life, you can begin to understand some things of where do they come from and why is this kid like this and this kid like that, you know. And so this is what you brought with us. You brought with us the subtle body, the shukshma sharira, 
The stula sharira is a gross body, and then there's a subtle body. And so, uh, the other thing we, we learn by concentration of the mind is the difference between the self and the not-self. When we draw the boundary back from the gross body, and then we see that there's a boundary between the gross body and the subtle body, and then just consciousness. Now, our own process of chanting the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra does this. There, there, there's a potency in that mantra. I mean, mantra means a sound that can clarify or purify the mind. It works. It works. Chanting Hare Krishna is like yoga in the sense that you you withdraw the senses from other things and you concentrate on just these Hare Krishna, Hare Rama. You, You do like that. And things happen when you do like that. Uh, it, it, you can chant and uh, and be doing other things at the same time and not paying attention. So the the yoga process this is described in the in the Bhagavad Gita quite there. When the mind goes away, you bring it back. When the mind wanders, you bring it back. I mean that's that's uh, you, uh, Arjuna's big objection to this this this, uh, this idea is it's hard to do. The mind is unruly and difficult to control is like trying to control the wind. And Krishna says, yeah, it is hard. You're right. But he says it can be done uh, by, uh, by practice, repetition by practice and by, by proper concentration. You, 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 you just keep doing it. Uh, and then, then it's possible. Uh, uh, this uh, this concentration of the mind, and so you know, as you do this in Krishna consciousness, you begin you begin to see things, and you begin to get the the sense of yourself. Now, the other thing the other thing that goes along with this practice is in the Krishna consciousness movement is the famous or infamous four regulative principles. Uh, and when we get initiated, no illicit sex, no intoxication, no meat-eating, no gambling. Right? These are, these are the, the, the regulative principles. And I remember one guy said, yeah, I'm following the two regulative principles. There are four. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Uh, uh, the, uh, 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 but but the, the the point of these regular principles is the, that I want to make tonight is they are also principles of knowledge. Again, we've said we've got this idea. There's moral principles, right and wrong, and, and that kind of goes in this area of reward and punishment. You know, if you behave yourself properly, you follow the Ten Commandments, God will do something for you. You know, you won't go to hell, you'll go to heaven. Which is a very boring place, as it was described. <laughs> you go to heaven, but otherwise, you know, you're in the lake of everlasting fire and all this other kind of stuff. You know, but the, 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 that's what we associate more principles with, is just, this, which actually is karma good or bad karma. 
And that, that's one aspect of the regular principles, but they're, they're actually principles of knowledge. Because one, another thing we learn in the Bhagavad Gita is that knowledge, is, as I understand knowledge, depends upon sattva, on goodness. And one of the really great things in that, uh, of, of schemes that we're getting for understanding ourselves and understanding the world is the idea of the modes of nature. Tamaguna, Rajaguna, and Sattvaguna. Uh, and that's something that really needs to be understood because we have to apply this to ourselves too. Because, because we see that, that in the world around us things are being created, things are maintained, and things are destroyed. That's the, that's the cycle of nature, creation, maintenance, destruction, the products of decomposition or destruction are put together again for another creation. And that's how, you know, the, the, this text from India described, you know, these cycles, some huge cosmic cycles of creation, maintenance, and destruction, and yuga cycles like that. And, and so these are the, 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 the modes of nature. And the, we should... It's a way of seeing the world that is very, very, very useful. Again, you will not find this taught in any universities anywhere. <laughs> so, so, but, but you, but, so the the, the Prabhupada says about our our civilization. He says in the commentary of the Bhagavad Gita. He says in the modern world. The standard of advancement is the standard of the mode of passion. The, 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 the mode of goodness it, it produces the Brahminical class of people, it produces yoga. This is all done in the mode of goodness, where the mind is calm, peaceful, clear, free from desires and longings. From, uh, 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 where uh, a person in the mode of goodness would be interested in knowledge for its own sake. You know, I mean, like you take somebody like Einstein, you know, any, any thinker, philosopher, they, 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 there's some predominance of the mode of goodness. Of course, you see what happens. I mean, Einstein, who thought he was, you know, worshipping, uh, investigating the god of Spinoza, that is a kind of pantheistic sort of god, and discovering, you know, how God thinks uh, with, his, with his... And you notice, Einstein never did an experiment in his life. It was all thought experiments. You never, none of this grubby stuff... <laughs> I mean, that's really a mode of goodness, you know. You discover great truth without even, like, going near. Other people did experiments. And, of course, what he produced was, what, was when, when, what he found went to work, ended up with the atomic bomb. How did that happen? And Oppenheimer, you know, was a big student of the Bhagavad Gita. That's what he quoted, you know. I am... Time, the destroyer of the world, Krishna says. You know, when he saw this this first uh, atomic bomb go off, that's what happened. Because because our our culture 
is not a culture of the mode of goodness. If something wants to be developed, there has to be good for domination, control, power. There's a mode of passion. And Prabhupada said the standard, our standard of advancement is the standard of the mode of passion. The, the archetypical state of the mode of passion is sexual desire. It's born out of unending desires and longings. You just want more and more of everything. And that's the American dream. The American dream, when you let politic, politicians wax, you know, so teary-eyed about it, means that you can engage in economic development more and more and more. Not to be satisfied. You know, the, the trouble with, like, what people think that we ought to do to save the planet archaeologically is really shifting to the mode of goodness. And people are appalled with that idea. <laughs> but that's what it would am amount to. It would again be bringing back the mode of goodness. So that's the mode of goodness. It's uh, unending hankerings and longings. It's economic development is the main thing to get more and more and more of, uh, of everything, to be the enjoyer, to be the controller. Uh, that's, that's our standard of advancement. But we also, Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, that the result of the mode, uh, the, the result of the mode of goodness, he says, is knowledge. The result of the mode of passion is misery. That's where we're going. Why is it misery? Because whatever you get when you have the mode of passion predominant is not enough. You want more. You want more and more and more. Uh, how, how, was Donald Trump satisfied with one hotel or two hotels? Or two? No. This is, you want more and more and more. But if the result is misery, what do you do then? Then you go to the mode of ignorance. Drugs, the obliteration of consciousness, because you want to do something about the misery that you're in. And so there's the mode of ignorance. Uh, uh, decay, uh, de uh, decomposition, laziness, procrastination, sleep, just oblivion. You know, this is, this is the, the mode of ignorance. And you start to like violence and chaos for its own sake. You take pleasure in the happiness of unhappiness of others, and, and so on. The, so the three modes of nature are very, very useful. So Krishna gives us that category for looking at uh, at things and what is our standard of advancement of civilization. So that's why you know the yogis they they, they go to a secluded place, they get away from the mode of passion in the cities and the other things, and go up in the Himalayas and. And, and, and they're up there in the high mountains and there's not much life around except for those what they, the hamsas the, the uh, paramahamsa you know, hamsa, hamsa, hamsa is we say swan but it's actually a goose 
the bar-headed goose. You can't say, you know, goose doesn't sound good in English. It's got bad press. But there are the, these bar-headed geese that fly over the Himalayas. They, 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 they spend the summer in Tibet and the, and the winter in India. They fly over the Himalayas. That's why they're the symbol of the yogis up there. You know, they, wow, those birds. <laughs> anyway, so 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 that's where you you go to the forest, the forest, the the, the woods. It's in the modes of goodness, uh-huh. and the towns, the, the 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 cities, the towns are the mode of passion, and the mode of ignorance are places like bars and. Uh, whatever you know, those, 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 those kind of places. A disco. Discos, yeah. <laughs> <Right. laughs> disco Harry. Good about the disco. Our the disco. <laughs> so, anyway, we know these things, and, and, and by practicing, by 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 practicing uh, yoga properly, one should see that the symptoms in yourself of the modes of passion and the modes of ignorance should be going down. If uh, sexual desire is decreasing, if the desire to be the enjoyer in the world is decreasing, that's how you know your lust, anger, greed, those are uh, modes of passion, that they should be decreasing. If they're not decreasing, you're doing something wrong in your practice. This is a process of knowledge. Because, because then uh, with that clarification of consciousness starts to take place, one becomes conscious that uh, I, I'm in this body and, and I, I'm a spiritual being, I'm not the body, I'm not the mind. And the other thing you discover, you make more advancement, is that I'm not alone. That there's super-consciousness together with the consciousness. Uh, and, and we understand this to say that ourselves, uh, this, this is what is Paramatma. I'm the Atma, but the Atma discovers Paramatma in the same body, situated in the same body together with the Atma. And that Paramatma is, as Prabhupada calls it, a partial representation of Krishna, of Parambrahman that from which everything comes. And that Paramatma is always together with the Atma. And when we become conscious, we become conscious of the existence of that Paramatma. And that, that Paramatma, uh, you can, at that point, that Paramatma, you recognize, yeah, this is Paramatma, this is what I'm recognizing. I mean, some people, you know, there are some yogis that will conflate the two, yeah, that's me. Uh, the Bhagavad Gita at least clearly states that you know this is the, is both the self and the and the super self, uh, uh, and, and that's why knowing Krishna, knowing God, is something like knowing yourself. It's if if Krishna is the self of the self, then yeah, self knowledge expanded a little more. And that's why, once we begin to get some consciousness of Krishna, 
You can no more doubt God's existence than you can doubt your own. It's just Krishna's there and it's just irrevocable. You know, just as part of that confidence that comes. People knew this, you know. There's a famous uh, argument uh, in the 14th century or 15th century, and Saint Anselm had this ontological argument for the proof for the existence of God. But he got it from Saint Augustine, and basically, I don't want to get into the whole ontological argument. But basically, this is what it's, it's based on. If you, they're saying, if you think that God might exist or might not exist, you don't know what we mean by God. By God, we mean. You know, I might exist, not, might not exist. This this table, this lamp, this you know, all these things may or may not exist. My particular having this body that may or may not exist. But when it comes to God, if you think God might exist or might not exist, you don't know what we mean because God is a being a greater than which no one, no other can be conceived. And so a, a being that can exist without the possibility of not existing would be a greater being than one that existed with possibility. And that's what we mean by God. So if you could have this idea, you know, then you could, uh, you could, uh, this is, this is, if you're just thinking God might not exist, you haven't gotten the idea. But what, what that argument is really based on this kind of experience. And it's a universal experience. It shows up in other religious traditions too, under different guises, because the laws of spiritual life are the same. Wherever there's humanity and there's people that actually practice spiritual life, they'll come to something like that, depending on the culture they're in, how much they know or don't know, but at least that, uh, that is there. So this is actually a process of knowledge. It goes further. If, if, if you look at the, the Bhagavad Gita and the Bhagavatam, uh, that, that Krishna is the source of everything. Everything comes from, from Bhagavan. Uh, so that if you start to see everything in relationship to Krishna as uh, the Lord's energies, you start to see it differently. Than, than the material scientists. They've separated everything from God. That's their premise. We'll see. So they've quantified it uh, and therefore made it... They're dealing with material nature insofar as we can manipulate it. Insofar as we can master and control it. In other words, material science has its own God project. If you really want to say what, you know, we want to be able to control material nature. All of it. Completely. That's our, you know, if we became really successful, we would become God. They have a God project. So for that reason, they cannot recognize that somebody else may already be there. Uh, I I can hijack it for myself and control it and enjoy it. This is this is Ravana's enterprise. Yeah? Uh, uh, kill Rama and take Sita for my own. Yeah? That's that's our our enterprise, uh, our own God project. 
And you know, they're, they're, that's 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 what they're going to do. It's going to mess things up really badly because we're not up for the job uh, <laughs> at all. But so they can't. So that they're blocked from actual knowledge. If, if you if you if you if you go through Krishna, then our understanding of Bhagavan. It, it, Prabhupada put it like this, there's a couple of places he does this, and it's a sort of a koan, which I say to myself, nothing is different from Krishna, yet Krishna is different from everything. There's nothing but Krishna, yet nothing is Krishna, same thing except his own primordial personality. So, so everything ultimately turns out to be spirit. Because everything is uh, an energy of Krishna, and as such, everything is spirit. I, I, I was with Srila Prabhupada in uh, New Vrindavan. We were walking while I was in the course. Was, I was a new devotee. He was only around that time. When I was a, but we were uh, having, we were walking in, in, uh, in, in New Vrindavan, walking through the woods. And Prabhupada pointed out that that the trees around us are actually sunlight in another form. That wood is sunlight in another form. The trees take in the sunlight and they grow the wood. But actually, if you ignite the wood, again the sunlight comes out. So that so that the tree, the tree is actually sunlight in another form. And then he said, similarly, matter is just another form of spirit. <laughs> That's what he said. So a little while later, after he said, I'm thinking about this, and I had a chance to ask him a question, we were all just stand, was standing around in the woods, he said, I said to him, Prabhupada, I said that... Uh, You've said that actually everything is spirit. You said yes. He said, "Well, I'm having a problem because what I'm really trying to do is understand I'm not the body, so I'm trying to understand the difference between matter and spirit. That my body is matter and myself spirit. The atma is spirit. So I'm trying to understand the difference." And now, but now you're saying that everything is spirit. So I'm confused. And then Prabhupada gave me an answer that took me about three or four years to understand. He said, we are not Maya bodies. (laughs) (laughs) There are different kinds of spirit. (laughs) See, uh, but... The, 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 the position of the, the you know the, the the Ramakrishna mission version of Shankaracharya the people is that 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 uh, that, that uh, uh, the world is doesn't exist they don't really tell you that's what the real philosophy is but that it's not there. It's, it's an illusory superimposition on Brahman. It's not really there. Uh, uh, 
and, and uh, the, the the Vaishnava position, uh, uh, Vaishnava Vedanta, is some version of Sabishesha, uh, not Nirvishesha. That's that's the you know the Shankarite that Brahman is Nirvishesha without any varieties. Vishesha is a nameable distinction, without any distinctions. But Brahman, according to the Brahmanuja and the other Vaishnava Vedantas, has Savishesha. It has variety within it. That's why you can say Krishna, you know. He's, what is God? Well, he's, he's blue, you know. They, they say blue. It doesn't, doesn't say, you know, this color is blue. Now, it's a spiritual blue. <laughs> but that is, you have to wait and see. But is that's his color, you know? Oh, the blue, you know, God is like, well, you just get a, not neti, 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 and then there's nothing left, and then you've got God. But that's Brahman, maybe, you know, there is that, that, that aspect of the supreme, of the, the impersonal effulgence, but Krishna has this, this color. And you think well, blue would limit him, he also has many other uh, personalities <laughs> of Godhead that have other... Ramachandra is green. Uh, you know, he's a rainbow coalition in himself when it comes to having, <laughs> having, having different colors, but that's it. Uh, he's blue, dark blue, actually. Yeah. Uh, that's, that, that's his color. We have that, those, so he said, we are not Maya bodies. There's different kinds of spirit, he said. So this material, what we call matter, do you see it as it really is, in relationship to Krishna, and without the idea of exploiting and being the enjoyer and controller, you'll start. We start to see the world in a different way. You'll start to see the world the way, to some extent, to the way Krishna sees it. We can't see it the way God sees it, but that's des- described in the Bhagavatam. That that on some occasions you are able to enable to standing next to Krishna and being uh, uh, able to be close to God, be able to see the world in the same way that God sees it. Uh, And and that vision, uh, people who have that vision, who who have some understanding of this, to them, uh, uh, Vishwa Purna Sukhayate, the whole world seems to be full of joy. It's seen in that way. It's not... Uh, yeah. You see the depth of things, you see anything, uh, the, uh, the, into the inside of things. Uh, so, the, and the, But this is a process of knowledge. It's teachable. Uh, it's systematic. Uh, and, and it brings about... Uh, I mean, if you did that, Many things Prabhupada said, you know, like his idea of cow protection. But basically the idea when talking about, he says that all the living beings in, the, in, a, in a kingdom uh, are citizens. Citizenship, you know, animals have civil rights. You start to see that, you know, that, that, that one, ha- one has to uh, act uh, not just human exploiting others. Let's speak of one human exploiting another. 
but humans exploiting animals and exploiting the earth, all of that starts to become uh, evident. So th- this is really how we should, uh, uh, how this, the activity uh, of, of knowledge in this way actually brings a whole lot of benefits because then the earth will turn out to be friendly toward us and want to give us many things that we now we take out by brute force and by the earth is also a living being by the way it's not not an animate thing <laughs> anyway anyway that's just some of the ideas so that that that's that's this process of uh, 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 of knowledge, uh, and, and it gives this direct perception. And you might find out that if people start looking in this way, they might make a few more discoveries that are quite quite beyond what they can find out right now. Uh, of the universe, like take the yoga cities. This is the last thing. Take the, take the yoga cities, right? They're described. A uh, lot, lot of Pantajali Yoga Sutra describe the yoga cities. Do you guys cities. know what the yoga cities are? Well, there were people called miracles. You know, like Jesus walks on water. There wasn't just Jesus. A lot, a lot of people have walked on water. Uh, or or uh, uh, Saint Francis uh, preached to the birds. Uh, uh, he le- levitated all over the world saints levitate these are yoga cities Lagima city you become very light that's how you can walk on water or levitate Padre Pio and you know and, and in Italy he levitates doesn't look like he's setting out to do it but it just happens <laughs> yogis actually know you know that, that there's a way to do this or I mean, when St. Francis preaches to the birds, what does it mean? First of all, it means that they're, they're jivas, they're spirit souls too, and they have some awareness that he can bring out, you know, this covered. Anyway, there are these different yoga cities that are described, which you call miracles, walking through water. There's Prapti, Prapti city, uh, this ability to get things. I could see, if I had Prapti city, I could reach... Over, I can uh, in Calcutta. There's a rose blooming. I can pick the rose and I can bring it here and I can show you this rose. How did I do that? If I have property city, it's not that my hand, you know, went across like it was leaving JFK and went over the, <laughs> the Atlantic Ocean. Didn't do that. Ra- rather, somehow, the ability was there to make contiguous this space and that space. You could fold space. Something like that. So there's a whole physics involved with that. It's not a miracle. In the sense that it's not beyond the the power of of people to do. Prabhupada said miracle just means you don't know how it's done. So all these yoga cities, which people don't know about, and of course people fake all the time, but they, they... They'll, they'll also be available uh, eventually to, to, to if there's a, a culture and the mode of goodness and people can 
can become actually uh, advanced. Because it's not only in, in India that people have these yoga cities. You could you could see anyone who is uh, very advanced in, uh, in Buddhist culture or or Christian culture, Muslim culture. They had they had those those yoga cities. Now that will that will house. You know, if you're greedy and you want them for power and control, then you're disqualified. <laughs> or to show off, be a circus act. <laughs> that's not our. That's not our goal. Uh, because the other, the other interesting trick about the way the spiritual path of knowledge differs is that it's the path of humility. Whereas the material path of knowledge is a path of pride. Uh, uh, and that path of humility is not very much recognized as something you should really be on. People confuse humility with low self-esteem. It's not that at all. But that's, that's another topic. Let me stop. I've gone a long time. Um, and so anyway, any questions or comments? All these things, yeah, all right. Okay. You spoke so much about knowledge um, as that being a platform to understand Krishna consciousness. So this this knowledge that you're speaking of, is it um, is it from having high scholastic capability or is it from previous birth? Or is it dependent on spiritual development? But how do you get Or this? causeless mercy. <laughs> You know, when they say causes mercy, it means you didn't deserve it. <laughs> and it comes there. So many times, you know, if Krishna, talk, they talk about this, you know, if, if, if in the Bhagavad Gita, what happens if you made some advancement in yoga and you die and you're not there? Are you just blown it? You could have had a good time in the world and instead, you know, you lost... No, he says, in your next birth, you take, you take birth where you can begin and, and keep going. Uh, like these things, so you may or may not have scholastic knowledge, or uh, you know, be all kinds of people that are that are otherwise disqualified. Lord Chaitanya had a lot of those kind of people, also, as opposed, you know, he had people like like Jiva Goswami who were very highly educated, not just Sanskrit but Persian. Urdu, you know, all these languages, they, knew they were you know, very, very highly educated. But otherwise, there are many, many people who are just banana sellers and, and Muslims even, and that they also became extremely advanced. Uh, so that, that that's what's, you know, probably gave us the books, we should study them if we, if we can. But actually, if anyone can very simply follow the principles of Krishna consciousness and you only have to know three words of Sanskrit, Hare Krishna and Rama, <laughs> and, and, and chant those names with, with care and attention, you'll know everything. Because in, in the Upanishads, uh, Brahman is defined as that which being known, all other things become known. You know that one thing, then everything else becomes known. How well you can express it or articulate it, that may be depend upon uh, other things. But you know it. 
So then that makes me think that it, a lot is dependent on our sincerity in, you know, taking, you know, taking shelter, you know, of, yeah. uh, of the process of the holy name and mm-hmm. so that that causes mercy that you're told you didn't do anything again. It appears it's going to happen. It's going to happen again. It's going back to the holy name. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, the, 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 the process of Krishna consciousness can be very, very simple. Uh, and, and, and in some sense, easy to explain. You know, we, we chant the Hare Krishna mantra, uh, and one has to chant uh, for it to be really effective while trying to avoid offenses. And while chanting, while, say, doing japa, the, the most immediate offense to deal with is inattentiveness while chanting. You find your mind wants to wander, and when it goes, you bring it back, and you just keep doing that. And then gradually, you know, just trying, you know, begins to, the potencies begin to work. Uh, uh, that's, that's, that's everyone's experience. And then, and actually you'll get, even if you don't have a good teacher, if you do these first basic things correctly, you'll, you'll find out the next step, and the next step. And then you'll start to see the arrangements start to happen in the world that whatever you need next will show up at your doorstep, like FedEx. <laughs> you don't even it'll come. That will happen. And then you, you, that increases your faith because you start to see the hand of Krishna moving. Uh, and you go, wow. And then you feel a great deal of gratitude. If you want to make spiritual advancement, nobody, if you really want it, nobody can stop you. But it's, it can't be forced. You have to at least take the take the biggest. And what I understand, at least for, for us, is that no one's allowed to say I'm not competent, <laughs> because the competence will come, even if in the beginning is not much there. It'll do it. And even if you make a start and you don't finish in this life, nothing's wasted. Yeah. Um, when you uh, mentioned way back about thinking about thinking, um, I was just wondering, I've had this ongoing um, question about like Valmiki when he's, he's just like totally connected, like it's coming through him, mm-hmm. the Ramayana, and I think like Kalini is an artist and people that write poetry mm-hmm. and that write, and when you're really in the flow. Is that like a direct connection with yeah. Krishna? Or oh, is, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, sure. I mean, there are various levels of inspiration that people get. You know, even, even if... I mean, Krishna does it, but, you know, like when Mozart says how he composes symphonies, they would just downed up. <laughs> it was like they would come and he would see them all and then he just had to write them out. And they were just down up. 
You know, that's that's inspiration. And so inspiration works like that, and I, I think super souls behind it either give you some material gift that that you earned in your last life, or a spiritual uh, gift. I mean, Mozart didn't have a really super happy life after all of that, but but uh, yeah, he had that he had that ability. So this comes from this comes from uh, uh, from uh, you see. When I, we mentioned mind, and then there's buddhi, intelligence. Prabhupada describes intelligence, and Krishna describes it as the way Krishna describes in the Bhagavad Gita. He said it is the form in which the super soul gives us direction. So intelligence is the kind of governs all mind, mindsets, mental sets, whole outlooks. Like a conversion experience is like one whole mentality going away and another new mentality coming back. Uh, 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 what 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 one philosopher looking at how things happened in science sometimes he called them paradigm shifts. You know what governs that is 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 intelligence. That's that that's buddhi, and, and so. When we're being guided by super soul, the vehicle is this buddhi. Because Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, I'm sitting in everyone's heart. And for me becomes remembrance, knowledge, or forgetfulness. And Prabhupada says that means if you want to remember Krishna, because knowing Krishna is actually remembering, uh, uh, if you want to know Krishna, he gives all facilities to know. And he says, you want to forget, he gives you the facility to forget. When Emerson, one of the first Americans to read the Bhagavad Gita, there was a, you know, there was a, a Latin translation of a Persian translation or something like that when it first showed up, you know. He read the Bhagavad Gita, uh, he wrote a poem called Brahman, and he's he, Brahman is speaking the poem. When they me fly, that is when they fly away from me. When they me fly, I am the wings. He picked that up from 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 this translation of the Bhagavad, where Krishna says, "I, from me comes remembrance, knowledge, and forget." You want to forget Krishna? He gives you the facility to forget. You want to remember? He gives you the facility to remember. Uh, and there are people with busy constructing huge forgetful projects <laughs> also uh, uh, that, that, that's another thing that goes on in our world but those people that want to remember then he that it comes like inspiration is there um, mostly we're just making ourselves receptive to that and Krishna tells us, gives us some direction to make advancement. Now, if he gives us and we know what we should do and we don't do it, we procrastinate. That's a procrastination and another mode of ignorance. So we've got some of that. Then, you know, nothing happens. But once we start to do a few things, take the baby steps, then, you know, more, more happens. So we shouldn't, you know, spend five lifetimes to do something we can do in one. If you, you know, 
just the thought of taking birth again, my God, a baby? Oh. And you got these parents all over again, you're completely helpless? Yeah, I, I would like to avoid that. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah. You spoke of meeting the super soul, and um, I, I wondered how, where, how do you, how do you um, connect that with our beginning to see the relationship with Krishna? Oftentimes we're so external about the Supreme Lord, but it seems that if you really start to want to see the super soul or connect with the super soul, you gave an example of conscious of um, of how he becomes the direction that that real booty but um what about also being conscious that the Lord is there that you can take shelter of him that that guidance is coming that you're praying how does um how does that begin to to, to manifest and that's part of the super soul realization really I mean that's really the aspect of Krishna that dealing with us in our interactions with the material world is super soul. Now, to know that the now you know if 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 you're practicing like yoga like Pantanjali, you may not get any further because there's although Pantanjali talks about Ishvara, but there are other yoga people that practice yoga that you know it's, it's not theistic. Pantanjali is theistic. He says there's Ishvara, Pranidhana. You know that's one of the beginning things you do. You know. Uh, but doesn't really deal with it that much. But but uh, but we also do things that recognize the existence of, of, of the, as Prabhupada put it, you know, he has this term, supreme personality of Godhead. So Godhead means the 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 uh, ultimate source of everything. That's the English word comes from the German Godheit. Uh, uh, so the so that's Brahman, the ultimate source of everything, and then uh, personality. Uh, this is Bhagavan, the, the, and then when he says Krishna, supreme personality. There are many different times that that, that Krishna has revealed himself. Nishingadev, much uh, you know, all these different avatars has revealed himself. But then, you know, ultimately, uh, Prabhupada, following Srimad Bhagavatam, this is the supreme personality. Because because, uh, the Lord is manifest as Vishnu or as Narayana, there's the majestic aspect is, is prominent. With Krishna is the private life of God. You know, he is... Because when you're aware of the majesty of God, you know, you've got to stand back a little bit with folded hands and, you know... But, but what... what, what think, think of a dial. You know, two dials. One is the majesty dial. Because God is majestic, because all-powerful, you know. And so depicted as king, as ruler, as on the throne and Dwarka with all the palaces and everything Uh, then there's the sweetness now when when you're aware of the majesty of God 
you know, which is much emphasized in the in the, the Abrahamic faiths, you know, Christianity, Judaism, and, and Islam. You know, it's the majesty. So you stand back. You're a little. There's a little tinge of fear, you know, and you're worshiping on reverence, and you don't get close because you understand the ontological gulf that's there between you and somebody who's as great as that. And in majesty is impressive. That's why people go for it. You know. But but Krishna wants to have intimate relationships. So when we have Krishna, meaning Krishna and Vrindavan, he turns down the majesty dial and turns up the sweetness dial, so to speak. You know, so that you can the, the inhabitants of Vrindavan sometimes they know Krishna is God, but they're not interested. They appreciate him just for his sweetness. I, I have, there's no literature that I know of anywhere in the world that actually has that complete picture. Now, the, 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 the Krishna and Vrindavan may not be revealed to everybody because they need the little majesty to keep them in check, you know. They've still got some idea of being a little competitor with God in some realm or somewhere, you know. So for a lot of people, yeah, sure, you've got to worship God and be humble because, you know, as soon as you don't, you next thing you know, you're charging too much rent for all your tenants or whatever you're doing. <laughs> yeah. So you got to be, you know, if, if there's some fear, you need some fear, but, but you know, as Krishna, it's like, that's... that's the highest. And that's why he calls Supreme Personality of Godhead. You know, so all those different aspects of the Lord are there. But when you say the super soul is a partial representation, that's my partial realization. He's dealing with me in a super, but, but as the relationship develops and more and more uh, yeah, comes out.